You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel. And I'm Barry Hummel. We want to welcome you to episode 56, in which Abigail got to pick the album, and I got to pick the brewery. Abigail, what will we be listening to today? So today we'll be talking about the album Andy Grammer by Andy Grammer, another self-titled album that I heard about in high school. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how I came to that album and why I chose it for you. But why don't you tell us about where we're drinking? Well, we are delighted to be in Deadwood's Brewery in Orlando, Florida, which we happened upon at the Hogtown Craft Beer Festival a few weeks back. And when we started looking for an appropriate brewery named location for this particular album, I figured, well, grammar and words go together. It's a perfect match. And so uh, here we are today at Dead Words Brewing, and we are so delighted to have a surprise guest with us, Abigail, who's joining us today. We are so happy that Jack Henning is here. He's one of the brew pub managers here at Dead Words. Jack, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is such a gorgeous, gorgeous place. We had no idea what to expect when we walked in. It's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. We put a lot of effort into just kind of like the styling and theming of this place. So we're super glad to hear that you guys like it. Yeah, I love the signboard that has the flipping... Letters, that's super cool. And I was admiring the pizza oven too. I think this place is really just a fantastic place to hang out. So I feel very lucky that we're here today. Yeah, always happy to come out on location and do this. So how long have you been here? So we've been here since January of last year. Oh wow! Um, So we're a little bit newer. So, uh, you know, a year and a couple months. Um, So we're still kind of the new kids on the block, but we kind of came in with force and we're kind of, you know, make some great beers and really shaking up the Orlando beer scene. How did you uh, choose the name? What's the origin of the name? Yeah, so the name is really just kind of a focus on um, like history and how beer has outlived basically through many cultures, through many civilizations. You know, beer has been around for thousands and thousands of years. So really the whole focus of the brewery is just kind of on history. We noticed that it predates any religion, I think, is one yeah. of the notes I picked yeah. up. That, that came up on the signboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in fact, some of the oldest written words are actually beer recipes oh, from thousands wow. of years ago. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, it's really fascinating. I mean, beer kind of like brought together civilization. I mean, even like thousands of years ago, like the kind of breweries of the old world, they were kind of places where it kind of bring communities together and be like the one kind of like neutral ground in the small towns and stuff that would just bring a sense of community to the world. So that's what we're kind of trying to do here as well. That's why we have all of our benches that are kind of more family style, um, just to really bring people together. Do you use any ancient or traditional brewing styles here? Yeah. So um, one of our big philosophies is kind of uh, doing our four series of beers that we have on the menu. We have our resurrection series, um, which will focus on bringing back old recipes. We have our tradition series, which is focusing on traditional styles like IPAs, lagers, then we have our evolution series, which is kind of just focusing on like the new, like, you know, hazy IPAs, barrel aged stuff. Oh, wow. And then we have our abomination series, which is just whatever crazy thing the brewer can think of, you know? Oh, yeah. wow. I know. I see here on the menu, resurrection and abomination are coming soon. Yeah. Can you share with us a preview of what we might see on those menus or? Maybe share a little secret. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So a resurrection beer that's actually sitting in the fermenter right back there right now is a, a SEMA beer. So it's a style of beer that originated in Finland. Um, so it's used to celebrate the coming of spring on May 1st, a holiday called Vapu. So it's a beer that's brewed with lemon flesh, lemon zest, lemon juice, brown sugar, honey, white sugar, and then grains. So it's kind of like a refreshing, like springtime drink. Yum. Oh, wow. So that one will be coming soon in the next couple of weeks here. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's like a shandy, but it's all brewed in together. You don't add the lemon. It's just all part it really of it. It really is. It really is. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's say somebody were coming in 
first time they'd ever been here. How would you steer them on the menu or what would you suggest to them as they're sitting at the bar? Yeah, so usually I'll kind of ask, you know, what people's experience is with beer because we have people that come in that have, you know, drank at hundreds of breweries around the country and we also have people come in that have never drank a beer in their life. So almost always I'll steer people towards the sangria ale. And anytime that anyone tries to order like, you know, one of our ciders or any of our non-beer options, I'll send them towards that. And the amount of people that we actually turn on to beer with that beer in particular is really cool. How about that? Yeah. That's the beer I had from you all at the Hogtown Festival. Oh, yeah, it was a yeah. sangria and I, I loved it. Yeah. Delicious. She's a fan of sour. So you, I you, am, yeah. That would be an obvious pick for her. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now for us, we're uh, kind of seasoned veterans of the beer scene. So if you were going to put a flight together for us today, what are some of the things on the menu you might suggest for us to try? So for some more seasoned beer drinkers, um, the Harvest Moon is actually my favorite beer that we have on draft right now um it's a spanish cedar wood aged saison so i think just like the kind of like cedar kind of pairs super well with this kind of like you know funky kind of belgian saison farmhouse notes Uh, so that one's super super nice looks like that made the list abigail yeah that's 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 the that's the winner for sure i would also go for our soft pivot it's a hazy ipa that's just really really good just a super drinkable i mean like hot day just lots of good like you know, citrusy notes and everything that's in my wheelhouse you too, better yeah. get that one down one for me one for you you know i'm deferring my beer picking for my episodes yes. so i have to have someone there for me that's absolutely true <laughs> one of our other very popular ones as well is our proeza the munich rye lager oh wow um, I'm a big lager guy myself, so that one really just hits a lot of notes. Just kind of like a nice, dark, ambery lager. Still like light body, but it's still pretty malty with a light body. So that's a winner in my mind as well. And then the last one, it's kind of a wild card, to be honest. Um, I, I always go for the bridge, though. Being a lager guy, it's, it's really simple, but it's just really good. One actually won gold at GABF. There was over 100 Congrats. different American-style loggers in that category, and we took the number one spot for wow, that. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You've had that one, right, Dad? I think that was one of the ones I tried. Yeah, had well, I, liked, yeah. I had two of the core beers up there. I think I had the Bridge and I had the Timberline, but yeah. uh, you didn't have that, so I'm happy to have that if you want to do that, that one. That sounds again. good to me. Always got to try an award-winning beer. That's right. right. Yeah, that's definitely, like in my mind, uh, like a winning flight that we have. Perfect. Yeah. I noticed three of them are in the Evolution series and yeah. only one from the tradition. So right. I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's how we roll. That is right? how we roll. <laughs> We're, we like novelty. The beer we haven't tried yet is our favorite sure. beer. That's right. Sure. Well, listen, if you're going to go somewhere, the reason we like to record on location whenever we're able to do it is that the whole experience of being in the venue, seeing the architecture you know, sometimes it's repurposed buildings. Sometimes it's a beautiful facility. It looks like it's been built out from scratch like this one. That's just, you know, so on point. Clearly you had somebody come in decorating job on this, right? It wasn't like we rebuilt a gas station, but I love all of that part of it. I love the the whole vibe of being in the place and seeing what it's like. Mm. So that's a big part of it for me to be able to do that. So you mentioned that you were fairly new. What are you trying to bring to the community, to the beer community that might be different or complementary to what already exists in Orlando? Yes, I think really what we're trying to just bring is a sense of community. I mean, we really just want to bring a place where people can come and just mutually enjoy something that's been being enjoyed for thousands of years throughout humanity and civilizations. And then just be able to provide a great experience and really teach people about beer. There's a lot of places where you can go and get good beers, but there's not a lot of places where you can go and you have all of the servers are so well-trained on every beer that's on draft where you can really teach people and give a a whole story along with what you're drinking. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. And again, I'm not real familiar with downtown Orlando, so I don't know where you are in proximity. I think you're close to the stadium, right? Yeah, yeah. We're right between Camping World Stadium and Explorium Stadium. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're about two miles west of downtown Orlando. Being in the vicinity of stadiums like that, does that get you foot traffic from the events? Oh, yeah. Okay. Big time. Yeah, actually tonight we have a um, Orlando City home game. It's a soccer game. A lot of people come here pre-game a little bit gotcha. and oh, eat some nice. food and then walk over to the stadium so oh, we wow. get so yeah tonight's gonna be a night for that's sure. great yeah. yeah that's the other thing your food menu is amazing i mean you have a pizza oven obviously we noticed poutine is on the menu as well i don't think we'll be ordering poutine <laughs> but it's really good it's made it's a hash brown waffle actually so it's not french fries so, so maybe we will be maybe, yeah, maybe we have we, a hit, we have reviewed poutine <laughs> on, on the, the podcast, podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> we were in canada <laughs> oh then you got it so yeah. we had to one in rome <laughs> yeah and even um with uh, what I was saying before about our resurrection tradition evolution and abomination series we have that with the pizzas as well which is kind of cool so our resurrection pizza is actually made of the spelt dough feta cheese and honey and we have a tradition pizza which is just a basic margarita pizza but still really really good and then we have our evolution pizza and then our abomination pizza which is like a Cuban sandwich inspired pizza with like mustard and pickles really good oh wow cool stuff. it's my personal favorite <laughs> yeah that's really fun your brand is just so consistent and I, yeah. I find that really cool do you have any events coming up at the brewery or any social media you'd want to point our listeners to or anything else you'd like to plug yeah, really? so if you're looking to uh kind of get our most up-to-date on beer releases and what's going on our instagram is definitely the place to be we post a lot on our stories about like events that we're having and different beers coming out so definitely check out our instagram it's just deadwords brewing excellent perfect well we can't thank you enough for jumping on here with us we are yeah. So looking forward to this flight and having the experience of being here because it's just a beautiful place. Yeah, it was great chatting with you guys. I was so happy to be on and we're so happy to have you here with us. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much again to Jack. We are back with the flights that he handpicked for us himself, and I just cannot wait to dig into this flight. So, Dad, please read the description of the first beer we will be drinking. Well, the first one we're having is Bridge, which was the one that I tried at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry uh -huh. back in the early <laughs> 1700s. That's on the tradition one. That's why. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, at the Hogtown Craft Beer Festival, I had this particular one while we were there. This is described as an American-style locker. It is also the 2022 gold medal winner from the GABF. That is the, I believe, the Great American Beer Festival. Great American Beer Festival. It's described as our award-winning American-style lager crafted with the finest North American under-modified barley malt which results in subtle flavors and aromas of fresh honey-baked bread. A delicate Bavarian lager yeast fermented at extremely low temperatures produces this crystal clear, perfectly crisp, and refreshing, iconic American tradition. I was looking for the ABV. It is 5.5%, and the IBUs are just 8. So It certainly is crystal clear. It is clear, clear, clear. Yeah. Pretty color. Very easy to see through that. Yep. Nice and pale. Little golden tint to it. Lightly yep. golden. All right. And I remember liking this up there at Hogtown, so let's see. At Hogwarts. Mm. At Hogwarts. <laughs> it's clean. It's crisp. You know what? It's not superly sweet. So Jack said he was a lager guy, and neither you nor I are like really lager, lager fans, you know? I mean, I like a lager. It's good in certain instances, right? Because it's so easy to drink and the flavor is so mild. But this is like a really, really good lager. I mean, he did say it won yes, gold medal. Right, the right. entire 
you know, there were over a hundred American style lagers submitted in this one. And I can see why, I mean, you get a little bit of malty sweetness up front that kind of lingers as the beer moves through your mouth. And I just think this is delicious. I mean, it's super easy to drink, super light, but it has that little extra something at the front that I think really makes it special. I think the reason I'm not a huge lager fan overall is that I had so many basic American lagers I mean, that's what was available in the American beer market when I was in my 20s, right? Right. So I think I've always had that as sort of the baseline, that sort of generic, not very tasty, yeah. mass-produced yeah. lagers. Every like mass-produced beer is just a lager. Yeah, it's just basic it's stuff. It's basic, but and, this is not basic. Right. If this was in a Budweiser can, Budweiser would be better off. You know what I mean? Well, there's a reason we review craft beer That's and right. not Budweiser, right? So yeah, I'm a fan of that. Very tasty. Very, very tasty. All right. Well, while we're sipping on that beer, how about you tell me a little bit about Mr. Andy Grammer? I would love to. So this album, this self-titled album, Andy Grammer, was his first album released in 2011. And I heard about it in high school based on the second song, Fine By Me. Can't remember if I heard it on the radio or just around, but I loved that song so much. I once again went and bought the album and I bought it on iTunes and the iTunes version that I bought had a music video as part of the album. So you could like watch the music video on your iPod or whatever. And the music video is for the last track, Biggest Man in Los Angeles. So I actually have seen that music video and I love it. I think it's a really cool music video. So that song, Biggest Man in Los Angeles, actually tells the story of how he got discovered. He started as a busker, a street performer, and he was discovered by an agent, essentially, on the street and made this album. So I, th- I think that's a really cool origin story. And he absolutely blew up after that. Fine By Me was a huge hit. His second album had a song called Honey, I'm Good, which I'm actually going to ask you to play a clip of here in a minute. And that song absolutely blew up, too. I think it reached number nine on the billboard charts. So I came to this album in high school, again, based on Find By Me, and loved this album, and recently heard Find By Me in a Wawa. <laughs> this is why I chose this album for you, actually. So I did not remember this album. Have not listened to it since high school. Didn't really remember that I was a huge fan of it in high school. Heard Find By Me in a Wawa, and that just unlocked all these memories of this album. And I was like, oh man, I was really, really into this album. In my last couple years of high school, I should re-listen to it and see if it's a good candidate to suggest to you for the podcast. Because I'm running out of albums that I was really into, right? <laughs> so uh-oh. I'm... <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have some more, but I'm starting to grasp at straws a little bit. So I re-listened to this album. And in a lot of senses, I don't think it holds up. I love the music. The music is so upbeat, so fun. He tends to put little rap breaks in these songs. There is a lot of hip hop style lyrics. Yeah, and it's not that the music itself is, I mean, in some senses it is a little hip hop inspired, but I find it more rapping than hip hop in the sense that the music is still kind of like pop music. Yeah, it's sort of power pop. And then he'll be rapping over it, which I think is super cool. And it's not like cringe, you know? He's actually doing what he can handle. You know, he's using all the musical real estate, as we say, to coin a John Carroll term. And I find it really fun. If you start to dig into the lyrics, (laughs) I have major problems with this album. And I sort of realized that when I re-listened to it for the first time. But I decided I'm going to give it to you anyway, because A, I loved this album in high school. My opinions have changed because of experiences I've had as an adult woman that I didn't have as a high schooler, right? And I still love the music. If you ignore the lyrics, this is an absolutely beautiful album. 
It's a great driving album. It's a lot of fun. I recommend it based on the music. And I think we're going to be able to have a good discussion about the lyrics. Oh, I do too. I agree with you. I think uh, musically, it is an incredibly fun album. It's so interesting that you called out the lyrics this time because I have lots of notes on the lyrics. I think the bulk of the album is love relationship songs and they're not from the best perspectives, let's say. Yeah. And then there's a couple songs on there where, you know, it's all pro-woman, but that doesn't... It doesn't bear out. It doesn't bear out. It's all words, no action. In the context of the other songs, right? So I found that very interesting. And I think my favorites on here end up falling it for the most part on the songs that didn't involve that. Yes. Also musically, I mean, some of the ones that I picked just on my first pass because of the musicality of them ended up being my favorites, but they stayed there because of the lyrical content. Yeah, or because of lack of problematic lack lyrical of problematic content. problematic right? lyrical content. Okay, we'll say it that way. Yeah. And some of that's subtle. Oh, it's definitely subtle. And that's why when I brought this album to you, I said I thought we were going to be able to have a good discussion about allyship because he paints himself in one of these songs in particular, like he's an ally and a defender of women. And I would argue that that's very performative and that his actual opinions about women are expressed in the more subtle lyrics. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree. So, and again, when I listened to this album for the first time, I was in high school. I did not feel oppressed as a woman, right? Not to say that nowadays I feel like actively oppressed, but I definitely know that sexism can appear in more subtle ways, right? And I didn't really have a good concept of that when I was in high school. You know, all I had in life was school and I was good at school. So I was never oppressed, right? I didn't experience any of that. And now that I have had life experiences and experiences with men and experiences with dating, I am way more aware of the sort of subtle ways that sexism creeps into men's opinions and actions. And I feel like I have a much better read of this album now, but I still love the music. Genuinely, when I hear the music on this album, I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel uplifted. And on some of these songs, it's hard to ignore the lyrics, but on some of the songs, it's kind of easy to ignore the lyrics. So I hope we're going to have a really complicated discussion. discussion about that because I totally got that when I was going through the lyrics. It's what's the term my friends from minority communities says microaggressions is the term oh, they like to yeah, use. Yeah. And it's sort of the equivalent of that in these songs from a sexism or a misogynistic standpoint. Again, yeah. it's not over the top. No. It's just, he's always in a position of dominance in a relationship or calling out the woman's bad behavior as a reason it's going to end. He's making demands. Yes. Yeah. But he never has an accounting of his own behavior ever in any of the songs. (laughs) And then he gets to that song where he's he's talking about, he had this great conversation with his mom about how he's going to be a big defender of women. And then you you go, (laughs) but you're not showing that in any other context here in the album. So it was a really interesting dichotomy that I thought, wow, how can you be so not self-aware? Right. So you're saying, oh, that song is performative. Totally. That's him thinking he's a defender of women right. without realizing the ways that he's not in the other lyrics. And again, remember, he was also very young when he wrote the album. And you wonder your experience listening to it in an age bracket and then the change over time. You wonder if when he listens to some of these things, does he have some regrets? Would he like another crack at that? Or does he get better over time? You know, three, four albums into this, do we see improvement in his attitude towards women or not? That would be the interesting thing. Well, actually, I think 
we can have a little micro experiment here because I'm going to ask you to play a clip from the song Honey, I'm Good, which was on his second album, Magazines or Novels. The album was released in August 2014. This single was released in November 2014. So he's now had three years of reflection after his first album release. You can play it from the beginning. The lyrics I have problems with are right up front. Okay. And as a reminder, this is the one that peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. All right, let's take a listen. No, no, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home. So let me say right out of the gate, I recognize that song. Oh, do you? I think I may have recognized only one of the songs on the album that you gave me today. Okay. I'm more familiar with that song than even the one that I think I recognize from the album. Did you know that that was Andy Grammer? Like, did no, you? No, I just, I just remember in the zeitgeist that I, sure. I know that song for some reason. Yeah, that song was everywhere. And when I found out that that was Andy Grammer, I was <laughs> extremely disappointed. Because again, in high school, like I'm thinking of this album as, oh my gosh, he promised his mom, he's going to be this great defender of women. I don't know if you picked up on any of those lyrics, but the chorus is, nah, nah, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably shouldn't. I've got somebody at home. And if I stay, I might not leave alone. So he's in a relationship. He's at a club or at a party or wherever. And if he's so close to cheating on his woman that one more drink is going to throw him over the edge, that disappointed me to hear. <laughs> it's not great behavior. It's really not great behavior. So he releases this song and it blows up and it's like, oh yeah, in theory, like he's telling this woman, no, he's got someone else at home. Then why would you sing about being so close to cheating on your person that one more drink is going to throw you over the edge and you're going to leave with someone else? That's sort of the structure of the songs we're going to talk about on this album. It's That's exactly what I'm the same saying. way. It's just, it's <laughs> small subtle things yeah. that make the whole song turn on a dime because that's not cool. No, it's but you super really, not cool. But you got to really be you thinking about, think it. about it. Because again, this song's another great example of the music is so engaging. Oh my gosh, I was dancing the whole time. That you can get lost in that to the point where you don't understand what he's actually saying. And that's sort of what this album is yeah. like. So at the end of the day, I would probably play this album again or songs from this album again on a running playlist. But because I'm zoned out of what the right. actual lyrics are. Right. Yeah, so I think my first inkling that this album was not as it appeared was when I heard that song, found out it was Andy Grammer, and then was like, wait, what? Like, this is this great defender of women, right? He made a promise to his mom that he was going to treat women well throughout his life, and now he's singing about almost cheating on his woman. Yeah, I think that song on the album we're going to talk about is like a non-apology apology. apology. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I'm sorry if you were offended by what I said. <laughs> well, We'll get to it when we get to it, but he has that whole breakdown where he's like, I know I'm not perfect, blah, blah, blah. And it is exactly a non-apology apology. Right. All right. Well, why, <laughs> why don't we stop talking about these in generic terms and actually get into the track by track? I think we should. What do we have? Uh, 11, 11 tracks today. Yep. So the album opens up with what I think was the first single from November of 2010. And that's the song, Keep Your Head Up. Whoa. 
sunset Bills on my mindset, I can't deny they're getting high, Higher than my income, income's breadcrumbs I've been trying to survive The glow that the sun gets right around sunset Helps me realize that this is just a journey Drop your worries, you are gonna turn out fine You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I know it's hard, know it's hard to remember sometimes, but you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I don't really remember this one from the radio, although I kind of maybe have a vague recollection of it. It's not the one that jumped out at me as the one I knew for sure. I think this is a fabulous song. Great way to open the album. It's certainly a mission statement for the album. This is what you're going to get. Yep. I like that this one's more about pushing forward in life or trying to advance in life. It's not really a relationship song. It's one of the maybe three or four on here that don't involve some sort of personal relationship or some sort of statement about women, we'll mm-hmm. say. So I really did like the song. Didn't end up in my top three because the ones that really stood out to me were also interesting musically and had lyrical content that I was a little more engaged with. So as much as I like the lyrical content of the song, didn't really end up in my top three. But it's a solid, solid pop song. Yeah, this is absolutely a statement for the type of music you're going to get on this album. It is so uplifting. This is my second favorite song on the album. And this was one that I actually did hear on the radio and sort of just in the culture when this album came out. And it has always been probably in my top three and it has stayed. I feel so happy when I listen to the song. It's just so beautiful. I woke up to this song in the morning for a time. Oh, this was your this alarm song? This was my song? alarm song. And I think it works beautifully as an alarm song. It starts off with the piano and his vocalizing. Whoa. Like, it's just beautiful. His voice sounds so good. Oh, he's a great vocalist. He's an amazing vocalist. Yeah. And you know what? If you're a busker, you kind of have to be in order to be discovered, right? I feel like busking or street performing. It was just him and a guitar. In order to stand out, he had to be solid in both of those areas. And he really is. I mean, his vocals are just outstanding on this album. Well, he was beyond solid. I mean, that to me is the greatest part of the story, right? Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica is where he busked. Yep. We didn't go down there a lot. You've been there when you were younger and you probably don't even remember going down there. It was a very cool place to go. But if I was going to drive that far, there were other places I would take people who are visiting, say, to Venice Beach, Uh which was the same kind of thing. Street performers lining up on the beach. Imagine trying to stand out in that crowd. Imagine the number of musicians in Los Angeles who are doing that sort of thing in bars and clubs on the street. They're all trying to get discovered. And And this this is the story of somebody who actually got discovered. So you know that whatever he was doing out there on the street was engaging to the point where he gets an agent and a record deal as a result of that. And in fact, when we get to the song about that part of his life, that competition on the street is a large part of what he's talking about in the song itself, which I I thought was super cool. So yeah, his vocals on this whole album are exactly like this. I mean, he's a really great singer. He's kind of like right in my register. I love singing along to this album. It's such a great album to sing along to. He does the thing sometimes where he'll go on little runs with his voice, you know, he'll like hit notes for the sake of hitting notes. And it's so fun to sing along to and try to learn where his voice goes and if you can recreate it. So this song is a great example of that. He does those vocalizations at the beginning whoa like he's just showing off his voice yeah it's not Ella Fitzgerald kind of scat but it's that sort of nonsensical vocalizations as part of the background of the song one quick funny story about you said uh, this was your wake up song 
Do you remember you guys had a Tom Chapin album? It's kind of a folk album. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking and about. And he did a lot of environmental kind of songs on I his albums. I actually love that album. It's a fabulous album. Well, mom loved it too. She had a CD alarm clock. You could make it that the CD would wake you up. Yeah. And the CD she had in there was his Tom Chapin CD. <laughs> and so An every choice. <laughs> I can't remember the lead song on there, but that's the song we woke up to. And here's what's so weird about that. Oh, she God. had that CD in there. When we moved to Florida, oh my the CD remained in the clock. And when we replugged it in in Florida, the exact same song woke us up on the next oh coast after we relocated. That's how long how that thing amazing. was in there. I loved that album. There was a song about recycling. Yes. There was a song about how the dinosaurs became crude oil. It was a really educational and fun album. So I'm, I'm pulling up Tom Chapin. I'm looking at his discography. The album is called This Pretty Planet. Oh, there it is. This Pretty Planet, 1996. Come blow your horn. The song is on Spotify on a different album. Come blow your horn let it echo all around the world <laughs> it starts with horns doesn't it, it? Does, yeah. so that was the oh wake-up song God, for mom you just unlocked a memory for me this is so but of oh the two i think yours is maybe a little more engaging as a wake-up song than mom's pick well i have a history of like choosing these songs specifically to wake up to you bought me like an i home for christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. one year and you signed it from brett denon because at that point i was waking up to a brett denon song every morning so when i woke up to songs i liked to curate that and have a good song to wake up to and this one was great it's a beautiful way to wake up all right anything else on track one nope all right with that in mind let's move on to track two now track two interestingly enough was the second single from december of 2011 and that's the track fine by me <laughs> yeah you're not the type type of girl to remain with the guy with the guy too shy too afraid to say he'll give his heart to you forever i'm not the boy that will fall to his knees with the sans class type beggar begging you please to stay with him for worse or for better but i'm staring at you now there's no one else around i'm thinking you're the girl for me just saying it's fine by me if you never leave and we can live like this forever it's fine by me so this is my favorite song on the album i Mine think too i think this may be the one that i remembered from the radio remember this this, this kind was of a hit this was a huge hit yeah but i would have heard it in the periphery because this is not something that would have landed on any of the channels that i listen to in particular so i somehow would have heard this i think it's a little catchier even than the first one which is why i think this one landed in my top three it's a little less misogynistic than some of the relationship songs but when you start reading it with a fine-tooth comb after you realize the pattern and you go back and you look at the lyrics there's just little subtle things like um, but i'm staring at you now there's no one else around i'm thinking you're the girl for me it's not we're thinking we're good for each other it's subtle right yeah. it's like i've made this decision right you're for me right and that would be a totally innocent statement Out independent of, of the rest of the album right yeah people say that all the time and there's no problem with it so as i'm going through the lyrics this is an early song and i like oh i love this song and he's not being pushy yeah it's fine, it's fine by, by me, me. kind of giving the woman Although, control you could also interpret that as he's not really wanting to reveal his true feelings he's being very casual exactly right? in yeah. the context of the whole album he doesn't want to be vulnerable and say this is how i feel 
She's like, oh, it's fine by yeah. me if you want yeah. to stay. Right. Yeah. But that's all in retrospect. I got none of that when I was going through the lyrics in order yep. of the songs. <laughs> yep. And then you go back and you read it now with a little more jaded eye based on some of the other material we're going to talk about. And now you see subtle things in here. We again, go back to the term microaggression. Yeah. He's not being pushy in a cleverly pushy way. If that makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, eh, it's fine by me. Yeah. Like, what does that mean for the woman? Think about it from the other right. side of that. I could take you or leave you. It's yeah. just a little subtle. Yeah. And that's where this thing starts to break down for me as far as the writing. Now, again, maybe he contributed to him being a young guy. Maybe when he's 40, he's thinking about all of this differently. I don't know the answer to that. This is the 20-year-old male psyche right across the board, basically, is what you're getting in this album. Right. That's why I said I wonder if he's going to look at this when he's in his 40s and go, whew. I mean, he's married now. He has kids. I think one of them is a daughter. I'm pretty sure he got married pretty early in his career. He met his wife in college, so. He got married in July of 2012. You said this album's 2010? 2011. 2011. But by the time of the next song you shared, three years after that, he is married. Yeah. And that's the song you're talking about. Oh, I have somebody at home, but here I he am. He did have somebody at exactly. home. Exactly. <laughs> he did, for real. <laughs> yeah, this is also my favorite song. Wow. It always has been. I Our mean, this first is match of the first day. Match, yeah. This is the song that made me buy the album. This is the song I heard in Wawa that unlocked all these memories for me and made me eventually choose it for you. But it's interesting. It wasn't the first single. It was the second single. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on that. Here's the thing I'm saying. You just heard two of the singles, number right. one and number two. Right. And I thought the second one was stronger. And you're saying that's the one that caught your attention enough to go to buy the album. So yeah. the first single was, I'm assuming, a hit, but I think the second single is stronger. I agree. And I think they're both placed perfectly on the album. I love the transition from the first song into this one. The first one is uplifting, but slower. This one is extremely catchy, has some of those rapping elements. I mean, he sounds like he's rapping quite a lot of the verses of this song. And he does a good job. And I can forgive the slightly problematic lyrics in this one. Maybe is that because there are worse ones later? Is this because the music out? I don't think there is it? noticeable here. Correct. Until you get the whole perspective. So yeah, I think this is a great song. I love singing along to it. Great driving song. And I love it. So here's the interesting thing. Keep Your Head Up peaked at 53 on the U.S. charts, but number five on the U.S. adult charts. And Fine By Me peaked at 84 on the U.S. charts and number 10 on the U.S. adult charts. Oh. So the other song was a bigger hit, but I think this is the better song. I agree. And you're right. Honey, I'm Good, which you played earlier from a different album, was number nine on the U.S. charts uh -huh. and number one on the U.S. adult charts. Wow. That was clearly as big as hit. Well, that's two songs in. I think it's time to rate our first beer of the day. We are drinking Bridge, which was the lager. For me, it's solid as a lager. You know, I'm not an anti-lager person. I just, to me, lagers are pretty samey or kind of one note. This is a cut above that. I'm going to give this a 375. Remember, for everybody who's a new listener, that 3.5 is my middle of the road. I would drink it again. 3.75 means I enjoyed it, and it goes up from there. Abigail uses three as her middle ground and builds from there. So Yes, and I'm also going to give this a 3.75. This is a dang good beer. I mean, we talked about this all already. Lagers in my head are just basic. This is not basic. No. It's really tasty. It is as clean drinking, easy to drink, and refreshing as any other beer that you would want to have at like a tailgate, for instance, which is where, you know, you see all those mass-produced lagers mostly. Where I mostly drink mass-produced lagers is at like tailgates and parties. And this does everything that those 
lagers do, but it is a cut above in terms of flavor and taste. And for that reason, I'm going to give it a 3.75. And I think I'm going to show up with some of these to a tailgate and see how it's received. Yeah, it is more flavorful than a standard lager. It's not a complex drinking beer, which is why it's great for drinking outdoors at tailgates, refreshing. I think in the description, you said something about honey baked bread and it is like a malty sweetness and I can totally get a little bit of honey sweetness, you know? Yeah, but the longer maltiness that lingers well after you've had your sip is more in the bread category. And then at the very, very, very end, you get just that tiny bit of bitterness that lets you know you're actually drinking a beer. And it's so good. It's very subtle. It's almost (laughs) an aromatic kind of, like if I inhale air in my mouth, I can reignite that flavor. Are you talking about aroma? No, no, no. I'm doing it with my taste buds. I'm inhaling through my mouth and changing the flavor on my tongue. Wow, how interesting. It's a skill set I've learned over time because of my... But enough of that. All right, going to move on to the second beer on our flight list. So this is one when Jack was describing it, I was particularly interested in because I always like trying beers that have rye in them. So this is called Proeza. Proeza, yeah. Proeza. It's a Munich rye lager. It was done in collaboration, but I don't see who the collaborator was. Oh, Mas Vell, a brewery in Barcelona, Spain. Oh. So it says, we teamed with the crew from Mas Vell, a beautiful brewery in Barcelona, Spain, to create this dark amber lager, which blends heirloom rye malts and double-kilned Munich with a delicate Lorien hop. Proeza overflows with the notes of pumpernickel and caramel, joined by a mild hint of black pepper. The round lager flavors combine with robust and spicy flavors of the rye to create a dynamic session-style beer. So that is Proeza. So you said pumpernickel and black pepper. That's what stood out to me. It is a little darker brown color. It's a little more cloudy than the previous beer. Yeah, this is an interesting color that I've only really seen before in like Belgians because it's kind of reddish. Yeah, it's a subtle maroony kind of red. Yeah, maroon is a great descriptor. By the way, I Google translated Masvel. It means more old. So that ties right in with the whole ethos of this place. Yeah, although it's on the evolution spectrum of their flight board. That's a mellow. It is mellow. I get the rye, although it's not as prominent as I've had it in some other rye beers. I don't eat a lot of rye bread. For me, the defining characteristic of rye bread is caraway seeds, which is not a rye flavor. And like, I don't drink whiskey, so I don't like drink rye whiskey. So like, I'm not too terribly familiar with what rye actually tastes like. Remember, they said pumpernickel, which is a darker rye bread, right? I'm also not a huge fan of pumpernickel bread. Oh, I love pumpernickel bread. And I get that in this. You do? I do get it. Yeah, Yeah, I can't say this doesn't taste like rye. I can't really identify what rye tastes like. I don't really get the black pepper. I'm wondering if that'll come through maybe as it warms up a little bit. You know, spices tend to come through the warmer a beer is. So pumpernickel is a typically dense, slightly sweet rye bread, traditionally made with a sourdough starter and coarsely ground rye. Oh, sourdough starter. Interesting. So I can identify that it is malty in a different way. But again, just because of my lack of knowledge of what rye tastes like, I can't identify this as rye, but I don't mind it. It's a very easy to drink beer. What's the ABV on it? It is a 4.8%. Yeah, it drinks and, like a 4.8%. And it's got a IBU of 20. So I'm, I'm going to guess that the bitterness you're getting is from the rye. 
usually I get a sharper taste with a rye beer. It's a sharper, drier taste. This certainly is drier than yeah, the first one. At yeah. the beginning, you get that. I like that. I like it. I just can't really identify the flavors. Now, but... think about this. This is another lager. So in the lager category, for me, this is a cut above, I think, the last one because I like the complex flavors. So If someone poured you this and said, this is a lager, <laughs> I, I would based have on to... the color alone, yeah, I'd be like, what? you would not think that. <laughs> well, remember, we're on the evolution part of the tasting oh, yeah, board yeah. here. No, again, I'm not saying I don't like it. I, I find it very tasty, very drinkable. I really want to taste that black pepper. I just am not getting it. It'll come to you It'll eventually. come to me, yes, as it warms. All right, so we got the two singles out of the way. So now we're going to get into the meat of the album. And that's going to be starting off with track number three, titled Slow. Tried cold heart that you can't ignore Cause you've been burned before You tell me everything is good will end You were building castles in the air But they fell to the ground, there was nothing there You said you'd never get so close again This is the polar opposite of the last song on so many levels. So here's the, the story here is, at least what I can glean from the lyrics, there's a woman he's interested in who's coming out of a maybe a bad relationship or a breakup of some sort, and she is being very cautious. And he's like, nah, we shouldn't do that. I don't want to take it slow. Yeah. So here he's being completely pushy with somebody who is trying to be cautious. Mm -hmm. And this is where I went, well, that's a little aggressive for yeah. me. And so it's this the opposite is what, musically, too. <laughs> it's a little darker, a little minor key stuff floating around in there. It becomes a little more ominous sounding song. And this is the third song on the album. So, you know, the first time I listened to it and you're just getting the musical vibes. I didn't mark this one off. I didn't like it musically the first time I heard it. And then the more I listened to it, when you dig into the lyrics, you're like, hmm, that's a little dark. So this is where it started to go, this is all over the place. What's this guy talking about? <laughs> and it escalates from here, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was the turning point. So I didn't really care for this song. Yeah, I don't particularly care for this one either. And that's based on the music first. It is a slower and a much more darker, ominous song than is the normal on this album so it does stick out in that way the lyrical content yes i can see the problems in it i don't really have an issue with it and some of the later songs are much worse so it's, that's probably why but he does acknowledge the root of her hesitance which i do appreciate he is making an attempt to understand where she's coming from i think the opening line of the song is very clever a charcoal heart that you can't ignore because you've been burned before Everyone says like, oh, my heart is so black. But I've never heard a heart described as charcoal before. So I think that's clever and innovative. And I understand the argument he's making, right? Which is if you find something you know is right, why wait? Just go for it. So I, this one is less problematic to me than many of the other songs on the album. But, but I always think that the writing's in terms of his own egocentricity, meaning it's right for him. Yes, I don't it, have any yes, sense correct. from the lyrics that it is right for her, right. except in what he's saying. Right. 
But again, this album is from his perspective. Like every album is from the artist's perspective. And we've listened to songs before where we've been like, oh, I want to hear the other person's point of view. But this is a solo artist. It's all going to be his perspective. And I think you have to sort of buy into that when you go into the album. And because of that, I don't find this song to be particularly problematic, even though I can definitely point out the errors in it. But when you're listening to this album as a whole, you have to sort of pick your battles, right? Like which songs are like really egregious and which are just like, uh. I mean, it's all a clue to like his true self and like his inner soul or whatever. Well, this is my first clue. Yeah, this is like a- these were the notes I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I'm three songs in writing lyrical notes as I go through it. Right? right. And I'm like, wow, that's radically different than the last song. Yes. But out of context, I don't really have a problem with this song lyrics alone. If you know, if you took it out of the album, but because of the dark music, I just don't particularly care for this song. It's not my least favorite, but it falls towards the bottom for me. Yeah, same for me. It's in the bottom of it. And the music is a big chunk of why that is. All right, that takes us to track number four. You should know better. And you can already tell from the title <laughs> where we're heading. I'm on the phone. You turn your back on me and we're all alone. Why is this happening? I, I never thought. Questioning the one I, one I love But here we are, wrapped up in silence Can we sound the alarm? Both so defiant and don't know where to start I keep colliding with the one I, one I love Don't make it so hard for me to stay You should know better This just escalates what we were talking about from the last song and pushes it a little bit harder, right? So the context of this song is, it seems like it's a couple that's falling out of love. And again, we're only getting his point of view. Right. And it's not great because the narrator doesn't seem to be able or want to hear what he's being told by his partner. And the line that really bugs me the most is, don't make it so hard for me to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me, 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 me. You should know better than that. Yeah. And this it's is It's like where, a scolding parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very. It's not very. Yeah. Patronizing. Paternalistic. Not, not very giving is yeah. the thing I was thinking of. And a lot of the songs have this kind of stuff in it. So whether it's subtle or outright misogynistic or whatever. And yet the music's so captivating. It is. It's such a. <laughs> A well-structured song it musically. Is. It's got some slow burn. It gets into the big chorus and it comes back to the slow burn and it's beautifully constructed song, musically dynamic. And then I don't like this guy. I know. I know. <laughs> He's such an ugly character. And we have to acknowledge maybe this guy is singing about a character. We talked about this on the Eric Hutchinson album. We talked about this on the David Byrne album. Like he's singing from the perspective of a narrator, but he also did self-title the album and he uses his own name in a later song, which all lend evidence to the fact that he's writing about himself. He is the narrator. These are his actual opinions. I think artists, particularly young artists, write from what they know. Right. So this is relationship songs written by a 20 year old. That's what he knows. I have no doubt that these are 
emerging from his character. Yeah. You know, I think about the Beatles songs. Several albums, early songs are all relationship songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some misogynistic songs oh, in there too, yeah, right? There are. Famously. She was just 17. You know what I mean. And then it gets to where they start to write songs that are darker or deeper, have deeper meaning. Not only as they get older, but as songwriters, they're looking for other content. They would be inspired by a poster for a circus. They would be inspired by a story they read in the newspaper. And they'd write a song about that. But I don't think this is what's going on here. I think this is a guy writing relationship songs. And he has a one-sided, paternalistic, patronizing view of relationships between men and women. And it comes through in a lot of the songs. Right. In the middle of these pop gems. I know. This is why this album hurts me a little bit, you know? <laughs> because I love listening to it. I think you're having your let's dance moment on the podcast. <laughs> this is my let's dance moment. Yeah. The other reason I was not worried, but the other reason I had to seriously consider bringing this album to you was because of the reaction you had to my reaction to Outside Villanova on the Eric Hutchinson album. You were like, well, you picked this album. And it's like, yeah, but that's the point, right? Our tastes change. Our experiences change. We read songs differently. And I still love that song. It was great musically. But like, you have to acknowledge these things, right? Because you can't leave them unsaid. Listen, I'm reviewing this album a lot differently because you took me to task for outside Villanova. So let's be clear. (laughs) I'm walking on eggshells over here. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. This definitely, the red flags are starting to show themselves. And it's escalated. It is escalating. Yeah. And still, I love this song for the music. You pointed out that it's a slow burn in the verses and then the choruses are really big and beautiful. I love the drumming in the choruses. It's not a predictable beat. And And I love, yeah, it's It's big, big, bassy, boomy drumming. And I love the growth from the slow verses to the big choruses. And I, you know, I love that ebb and flow in a song. And, you know, I find this song beautiful. It's just really unfortunate about the lyrical content you know such a beautiful <laughs> song and the guy is such a I know dick. he's such a dick can we say that on this podcast <laughs> I don't know you'll have to check the box on that not me all right now we're gonna take a left turn on track number five yes track number five is called lunatic Got five bucks sitting at a coffee shop I just wrote a lyric that made me stop Think about the world and what I got It's a beautiful, beautiful day I got dreams for food and hope for drink A new chance coming every time I blink Sunset dripping off the thoughts I think It's a beautiful, beautiful day And maybe I should care more about safety But I can't ignore or betray these Voices singing you can do this, you are not a new lunatic Crazy would be changing your mind yeah. You can do this, you can do this You are not a new lunatic Crazy would be leaving it behind I gave this one two stars on the first pass The opening notes of it, the brass horns This makes me think of like big 70s Almost a Burt Bacharach kind of 70s feel to it. Some of the things he wrote for Dionne Warwick with the horns and all that stuff. And I love that musically. 
And then you realize this is really a song about him, the decision-making process about pursuing a career in music. Yeah. Y- you can do it. You're not nuts. It's okay. Yeah. And I like that. I find this to be a very charming song. This is my second favorite song on the album. It's a good choice. You know, I do have a little bit of problem with some of the phrasing of the lunatic part of that, where he does that. Sometimes I love that. Sometimes I hate it. I'm not quite clear how I feel about the way he sings that, because his phrasing's interesting here. This is it not is. a hip-hop kind of phrasing, but it's butting up against yes. that. Agreed. This is where some of that, as our old friend Zach Hummel would tell us, is the hip-hop flow. Oh, the flow. Uh, maybe he's starting to show itself <laughs> in this particular song. First time on the album, and there's other places where that's more prominent or pronounced. So this is one of the songs on here that doesn't involve a romance or a relationship or some sort of thing about women. That made it a standout also for me. So yeah, it's my second favorite. Yeah, this is my On the Cusp song. I think that this is his sweet spot because he has such a positive outlook on life that when he's writing about that... It's beautiful. I mean, the first song was that too. And the last song is kind of about that too. And I love both of those songs. There's nothing problematic in these lyrics. He's just singing about his goals, how beautiful the world is, how happy he is to be alive. And I think he needs to stick to that. There's not another person in here. Correct. (laughs) When he's focusing on himself, he writes great songs. But see, the problem is he focuses on himself. Well, yeah, sure. It's all about him. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It's all about him. But when he involves another person and it's all about him, it comes across as negative. And when he writes these stories up from his own experience about his career or his passions, that's different. It comes off different. It's positive music and it's positive lyrics and it's a great tune. Right. He's just really appreciating what he has. And I find that very sweet. Yes. Whereas in all of the songs where he's speaking about women, he's either trying to hold on to something that is fading or he's trying to get something he doesn't have. And across the board, he seems less appreciative. Correct. The lyric I wanted to point out on this song, I love the lyric. I just wrote a lyric that made me stop. I love that he is so proud of his own work that he wrote something down and he's like, oh my God, that was brilliant. I love that. Again, out of context of him being a little bit of maybe, you know, a narcissist or self-absorbed. I want to be so proud of something I do that when I hear it, you know, like this podcast, sometimes I'll say something that makes you stop and go, oh, that was a really good read, right? Or sometimes you or I will say something that makes me laugh out loud when I'm listening to this. Like, I, I want to have that reaction to my own work. I think that's a really great yeah. goal. And the fact that he's achieved that, I love that for him. I can't help but love that for him. He is questioning his decision to pursue a career in music. He says, maybe I should care more about safety, right? Having a day job, making sure you're financially stable versus jumping all into your passion. You know, a lot of people can relate to that. I'm in my 20s now. I can certainly relate to that. And the fact that he chose to go with his passions, like obviously that doesn't work for everyone. But I think we can all admire the people who do that. Absolutely. And I feel like you're trying to rehabilitate your relationship with him in case we ever get to have him on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Grammer, if you'd ever like to come on and defend yourself, we'd be more than happy to have you. We'll wait till you're Uh. 40. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've done three songs while we're sipping on this beer. So I think we have to rate our proeza. We do. We're we're whipping through these. I'm going to give this beer a four. Category specific, right? I'm thinking I have a lager in my hand that's super complex There's a lot going on, which I don't typically associate with a lager. So within the category, I got to push this up. That's got to be a four. Okay. I have a lot to say. Black pepper coming through. It is late. It kind of tickles like the very, very back of your tongue. Just a little bit of a tingle that makes me know it's there. 
So I'm going to give it a 3.75. Rating against style, I don't think I would bring this to a tailgate, for example. So like the situations in which there's an opportunity to switch from a mass market lager to a craft beer, obviously Bridge would be the perfect candidate for that. I wouldn't bring Proeza to a tailgate just because it doesn't look like a lager, doesn't really drink like a lager. It's tasty, but I think this you drink it because you want to have a craft beer, yeah, right? So right. in terms of rating against style, this doesn't do what you need a lager to do, quote unquote, right? Depends on your needs. Okay, sure. This would not work necessarily at a tailgate in the sun, but the reason I gave it a higher rating is because of the complexity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we always talk about lagers and brown ales and things being kind of one note or yeah. kind of samey. This is certainly not one note. No, And it's not certainly not samey. It's delicious. Anyway, I'm giving it a 3.75. I find it tasty and delicious. I am glad I got to experience a little bit of that black pepper flavor or at least sensation in my mouth. I think I'm going to need to eat more rye bread because I still have no idea what rye tastes like. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I don't know. I'm worried for you. (laughs) Why? Do I have, what's the anosmia of taste? The anosmia of taste. I feel like you should be eating way more rye bread than you do. Why? Every deli on the planet serves stuff on rye. When's the last time you had a good Reuben? I had a Reuben on St. Patrick's Day. Was it on rye? I don't know. It must have been, right? Typically. I think it was on marbled bread. Well, marbled rye. You know what that is, right? That's the pumpernickel rye. and the rye the pumpernickel swirled and together. and rye swirled. Interesting. And they're both rye bread, so it's okay. I don't remember. I'd had some green beer by the time I ordered the Reuben. Uh, green beer? <laughs> yeah. I hate green beer. I kind of liked it. All right. Going to move on to the next beer. And this one, I'm going to make a soft pivot. Because oh this is Soft Pivot. And Soft Pivot is a New England hazy IPA. So this is for me. Uh, <laughs> 6.9 ABV. And here's what it says. Soft Pivot starts by delivering big hits of citrus, citrus zest, pineapple, and guava aromas. Mm. Ah, aromas for some of us. <laughs> a very soft carbonation and silky smooth mouthfeel. <gasps> oh my God. We have Make a mouthfeel. For- mouthfeel oh alert. <laughs> We need a mouthfeel jingle. I I may be anosmic, but I am. The arbiter of all things mouthfeel. Thank you very much. So we have a silky smooth mouthfeel, which makes for a juicy, easy drinking tropical IPA that has a lower perceived bitterness, but loads of fruit flavor that finishes with a delicate hint of resiny pine. Oh, resiny pine. So... I'm going to give the aroma notes. All right. It smells like tropical fruit. It smells really amazing. I can't identify guava, but it definitely smells tropical. I find that delightful. Oh my word. Delightful. That's really good. And pineapple forward. Pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. Pineapple forward for sure. I do get a little bit of that resiny pine at the end. Some may say dankness as well. Very slight. Super slight. Mouthfeel, definitely silky smooth. That's a good beer. It's just that's a fabulous beer. You know, you drink that, you go. Why can't all IPAs be like that? Well, that's what I'm saying. You barely get to call that an IPA. That is a non-IPA drinkers IPA. Well, that's the whole point of the hazies. Yeah, but the hazies are a whole spectrum too. Yes, exactly. This is really. I mean, you could taste hops. Yeah. But it's super subtle. Yeah. It's what you're calling piney, probably. But. I just get a burst of pineapple yeah, at the just, beginning. Just like oh my, juicy fruit like at the beginning. Identifiably pineapple. Yeah, it's really tasty. Wow, that was a soft pivot. All right, that was a hard pivot in my opinion. All right, we're just about halfway through the album. We're going to move on to track six now, and track number six is called "Miss Me." I wake up. 
wake up and I'm sober Don't even know ya anymore Puns drunk on a feeling Lost in believing I was sure I don't care what you have to say Damn words get in the way So let's cover the music first. I think this is a really wonderfully structured song. I love the way it builds up over time. You know, mm -hmm. slow burn turns into the belting of the chorus. I think that's great. By the way, this was the third single. It was released in September of 2012. So a pretty late single oh, in wow. the grand scheme of things. But now that you get the pattern when you're looking at the lyrics, it's a breakup song in which the other person's going to miss him. So here we are again. I have no sense of what this guy's feelings are in any of these things. Right. This is more about possession of another person. These are all very one-sided relationships. You are going to miss me. So I have no idea whether he cares for this person or not. It just becomes, oh, you're leaving? Well, you're going to miss me. It's such a bad attitude. It is. It's spiteful. He talks about, I know there'll come a time when I look you in the eyes and say, I told you so. Yeah, it's all negative. <laughs> it's like, you're right. It comes across as he doesn't care about the actual breakup. What he cares about is making this person regret it, which is spiteful. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I say, I don't know what his perspective is, is like, is what you care about the possession of this person. You care about the relationship over the people involved in the relationship. The relationship is the status, not the give and take of another human being in your life. I never know what his give or take is as you go through the songs. Is What, what, what does he bring to the relationship? Right. I, I never know in any of these. Well, and we go back to Find By Me, right? He's not willing to be vulnerable in any of these situations, whether that is telling the person he wants them there or whether that's trying to win the person back. He's very guarded, especially in Find By Me. See what you're doing? You're doing the same thing I did, which was you're reinterpreting yes. Find By Me now that you've gone through a lot more of these songs. It's way more subtle in that song, and you have to look deep in those lyrics to find any of these kinds of things in it. And you wouldn't look for it in that song except for these other songs, right? Right. But what I was going to say about Find By Me is, I think that is sort of the norm for relationships in people's 20s is kind of a casual, not being willing to either feel anything or express how you're feeling. Just everything is kind of surface level. And like, I get it. Like, I, I completely identify with the relationship mode they're in and find by me. I completely have felt that. But I think that's experiential, meaning that when you're young, you have none of these experiences, right? This is all new to people in their late teens and 20s, right? Right. Well, how does this function as two people? And so I can see why these songs are written that way. I think that's the thing that changes with age 
and experience. Yeah, no, no, but I'm saying like even in a larger sense, I don't know, this might get too deep. I feel like the reason nerds, like geek culture or nerd culture is uncool is because they unapologetically enjoy things and they're not ashamed of that. And it's uncool to like things. It's uncool to have feelings about anything. And so that's why Fine By Me, I think, resonated with a lot of people because he's expressing that he really loves this person, but it's a casual way of saying it. And I think for a lot of people of my generation, there's something kind of cute and fun in that, right? right? Like, But this just comes across as ugly and spiteful. Yeah, and it's escalating. It is We're escalating. track six. We're yeah. not done yet. We're but halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can really see you're having your let's dance moment. I'm so excited for you. Oh my gosh. I want to read some more lyrics from this song just because they're so ugly. As long as you live, you're going to miss me. Go do what you've got to do. Your words will follow you everywhere you go. Like, it, let this poor woman make a decision without making her feel guilty about it. It's very emotionally manipulative, yeah. right? I mean, like, a couple more lines like that, and she's going to go get a restraining order. <laughs> your words will follow you everywhere you go. He might not pass a red flag law oh in your God. state. What's a red flag law? You know, where they won't let you buy a gun. Oh, we don't have any more oh, in yeah, the no, state. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say. Sorry. I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a good idea. We can't get done. Let the wacky people have weapons. Why not? Well, on that note, let's move on to track seven, <laughs> which is, again, on a long, long list of, and even the title may give it away. It's called The Pocket. Do you want to be my love, my side, my heart, and my eye? My world, my pride, my stars, and my sky. I am looking for a queen who's more than gorgeous on a movie screen. I am looking for the cover girl of Dignified Beauty magazine. I want the dimples and simple symbols that she's sweet. Uh, wrinkles and her nose exposed what I mean. I am looking for a four-course meal that isn't based in base desire. I am looking for a lady who knows her soul is more than an appetizer. Oh, just one more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Just one more thing Oh no, 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 no Do we fit in the pocket? Can we fit sit back in the pocket? When the dreams and the guns start rocking Can we dance with our knees not knocking and knocking? Oh, see, I, I want a lady I can put stock in I want a bass and back beat to lock in I want to know your love's not forgotten He's really trying here He's really, really trying. And this one is so subtle that like, I found this charming in high school. And now I'm like, oh my God, there's red flags everywhere. Yeah, but here's the weird thing. So like, this is my On The Cusp song because musically, this is a super cool song. It's so fun. There's, it reminds me of something I never dug up for my working degree at the Abigail Hummel School of Speaking Smartly About That's Music. That's all right. We can give you a semester off. It's just a week. I'm only asking for <laughs> spring break, really. That's what I'm asking for. But there's a song that uh, I'll find it. It was used for Energy Star for a while. The one that was in the commercial I was in? Yeah. What is that song? Do you oh. know? If I could reach the star, pull one down for you, so you could, and I could change the world. Change, change the, the world. world. I think it's Eric Clapton, and this version was a woman singing it. But I have Eric Clapton, so let me play Eric Clapton. And this love I have inside everything it seems. But for now, I 
Yeah, it's just like a sped up version. <laughs> yeah, it's musically, it's got a very similar vibe to it. There was something about it that made me think of that, which as you say, now my spring break's been canceled and I have an entry, so I will have to cash in my spring break at some <laughs> other review. You're on scholarship because you pay for everything related to the podcast, so at least you're not paying tuition. Just fees and housing? The food plan? The um, meal plan? Yeah, the, the beer plan. <laughs> I don't know. I think we have a pizza coming here today. Just to sum this up from my point of view before you jump in, on its face, it looks like the narrator's looking for an empowered woman. Right. On its face. Right. But then when you dive into the specifics on the lyrics, you know, the things he's calling empowerment, I feel like he makes this statement. And what he means by that is lip service to what he really means by that. Yes. I want an empowered woman, but she's got to be... You know, I'm looking for a queen who's more than gorgeous on a movie screen. So he's not discounting the gorgeous on a movie screen, right? He's saying, in addition to that, you got to be smart and you got to have the right dimples and you got to be dignified. (laughs) And by the way, I'm looking for this. Right, right. The the overarching thing there is, here's what I need to make me happy. Right. So it starts off with a hint of empowerment. And when you really dig it apart, you realize that's a facade. I really did find this charming in high school. And the lines that I found charming were, I'm looking for a four-course meal that isn't based in base desire. I'm looking for a lady who knows the soul is more than an appetizer. On the surface, as you're saying, he's like valuing the soul and the heart of who he wants to be with. And that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. And fitting in the pocket, right? That's sweet. Do we fit together? But now I interpret that more as, can this person, well, aside from the list of demands, right? Right. Let's toss them demands aside. We've already touched on that. So we're going to ignore those for a minute. But he's really saying, can this person fit into my lifestyle? Exactly. He's like trying to mold this person. He's not going to change his lifestyle. He's not going to change himself. He needs someone who's going to fit into that mold that works for him. And it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) It It just doesn't. Exactly. So this is obviously an immature idea of how a relationship is going to work. And it just shows that he's not really seeing these women as like actual people with lives and like fully formed personalities. There's no give and take right, right. at all, right? He just wants someone who is going to match his list of demands and is going to fit into his lifestyle, whatever that may take. So this song has lost all of its charm for me. It's fun. I love that the chorus is once again leaning into that hip hop kind of. It's a little bit rappy. It's fast. Even the verses, he has a little bit of a syncopated vocal performance. You call that phrasing sometimes. That is reminiscent of rap. And I think that's all really fun. And I really did enjoy this song back in the day. But I just, I don't like it now. I simply don't. (laughs) It's not my least favorite, though. You used the word immature. It's the first time that term has come up all day. But it's really a great description of what his view of relationships are throughout the album. Yeah. He approaches those from a very immature position. And you've been alluding to that. You've been saying, oh yeah, he's in his 20s. Like, this is the psyche of 20-year-old men, blah, blah, blah. You've been alluding to it. (laughs) I just said the word immature. Grow up, dude. (laughs) Grow up. Which takes us to track number eight. Oh, God. Track number eight. We have alluded to this song many times in our conversation. On its face, the idea is good here. This song to me is the non-apology apology of the entire album. And that is track number eight, Ladies. My mother told me. She said, Andy, 
so understand me Most of this world sees women like candy And you'll be a man who will be standing for me My sisters, my daughters and wives Girls who are learning how to shine their light Dedicate some of your life, stand for them all Singing out me My sisters, my daughters and wives Girls who are learning how to shine their light Dedicate some of your life, you will stand for them all Singing out, ladies You are beautiful, you are beautiful You don't even have to try, oh ladies You are beautiful, you are beautiful More than you could We've said it many times, right? This is the female empowerment song. Yeah. Almost he's been goaded into it by his mother. Not goaded, but like, I feel like his mother did what she was supposed to, right? Yes. But I think his interpretation of what that means is a little bit jaded. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. You don't even have to try. But it wouldn't be so bad if you did try. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I was going to say, you're beautiful. <laughs> you don't even have to try. But, but try. Are you smart? Are you empowered? Are you independent? Yeah, he didn't say are any of those creative? things. Right, right. He went right to the physical <laughs> notion beautiful. of beauty. And I feel like the song, first, I think it's a little too on the nose. Oh, yeah. Because right. this attitude is not written into any other song on the album. And if you really wanted to empower women the way you've promised your mother in this song, it would look different in everything else that you've written. Correct. It would be part of your being. You wouldn't be having conversations like you've had in previous songs and subsequent songs. And by the way, I think this is an incredibly well-written song musically. Again, unfortunately, it it's beautiful. so well-crafted. <laughs> such a great acoustic guitar oh, hook. Oh, gosh. It's got kind of minimal instrument that you could see this as a busking song, right? Oh, like you hear yeah. him, you can almost hear the guitar slap because he had no yes. drum on the street, yeah. right? This is clearly a song that would be performed on the street. And he's in, his guitar playing is amazing in this it's song. Fabulous. He's really showing it's it off. Fabulous. And the first time you hear it, when you're not paying attention to a lot of the lyrics in depth and you're you're listening to the album and you get to this song and you can make out the lyrics, there's limited instrumentation so you clearly hear what he's saying and you're like oh wow what a cool song yeah and then now you're really taking a deep dive into the lyrics and you realize this is an outlier and i'm not even sure he really means it that makes me very sad yeah especially because parts of this song make it seem like his mother has passed i'm not sure that i'm the best one to carry this torch right makes it seem like she's no longer so with perhaps, us perhaps yeah musically i love this song and when i was in high school i loved this song i mean i had this naive impression that andy Grammer was this guy who loved women and valued women and was going to defend women and it just is so not borne out in the rest of this album and in the song we played at the beginning honey i'm good but musically i think it's beautiful you know you mentioned the acoustic kind of sparse instrumentation in the verses it does grow a bit in the choruses the, the music is a little more intense in the choruses i love that build i love the musical breakdown in the middle where he's talking directly to his mom it sounds like and it's a little darker yeah and in high school i was like oh man he's so complicated he too struggles you know <laughs> He's really trying to do this for his mom, but he's like not the best person. And like, oh my gosh, like that's so relatable. But the fact that this song is on the album, I think it was a bad idea because sometimes I feel like the men who think 
they are defenders of women are the most sexist because they have a paternalism to them. And yeah, it's great that you're going to stand up for women, right? He has his sword and his shield. But defending women is not empowering women. Correct. The sword and the That's shield. That's a different thing. Right, exactly. It's like the knight in shining armor. It's like the whole chivalry thing, which can come off as very paternalistic. Like he's protecting women. But men who want to protect women have a tendency to make decisions that affect women without really questioning or understanding how they affect women and without asking women what their yeah, what they is, need. right? But boy, don't we see that going on That's right what now I'm politically. Saying. Like a lot of laws that quote unquote protect women or protect children, what we're really seeing nowadays, right? Are just what old white men think is going to protect women and what is going to protect children. And they're so misguided and misinformed. And this song really just embodies that. And it's so unfortunate that it's on here because... Like you said, it's like the non-apology apology, but it really is the difference between saying you're an ally and actually embodying that. That's exactly right. In your behavior. And so... Totally agree. Like, I loved this song in high school. I probably, in high school, would have put it in my top three. It's not anymore. Well, it falls flat in the context of everything else, too. If you just listen to this song, you might not be so super critical of it. There's still things in there that you could criticize. But what makes us criticize it more is the way the rest of the album is structured and the positions taken by the artist and the rest of the songs. And then you were talking about the part where he talks about his mom carrying the torch and he talks about he's not perfect and he makes mistakes. Mistakes, but I don't see where he's promised to do better except for the shield and the sword. Right. He's not correcting the behavior that really needs to be corrected. Right. Even in that sort of self-awareness that I'm not perfect. Right. It's interesting because he says girls who are learning how to shine their light. That's the empowerment piece. Yeah. But forget all that. I got a sword and a shield and I'll deal with it my own way. And that's the disconnect. And the line immediately before that is about sisters, daughters, and wives which are all descriptions of women in relation to men. I mean, there's nothing in here about women just as women. It reminds me of when politicians, or any men really, will say, like, I want to protect my daughter. I don't want this to ever happen to my daughter. What about all the other women? (laughs) Who aren't your daughter? Who aren't your daughter? The vast majority of them. Right. Yeah, she's your daughter. If you didn't have a daughter, you wouldn't do the right thing for everybody else. You're defining your daughter based on your relationship with her. But there are billions of women. It's worse than that because you're going to change the policy based on how it affects you personally through your daughter. If you didn't have that daughter, would you do the same correct thing for everybody else's daughter? Probably not. It's like people who stand up and protect gay rights because they have gay people in their family. But it's so fascinating to me that you can't see beyond that even if you didn't. Yeah. Like, I'm going to work on this particular issue because I have somebody from that marginalized group in my family. Not because it's the right thing to do. No, it should just be the right thing to do. (laughs) Right. 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 Wow. Well, that's the big one. Well, there's one more big one. Well, there's one more big one. (laughs) And based on everybody's favorites and least favorites, I think we have an obvious contender for everybody's least favorite coming up. I think you're right. But before we move on to that, I think we have to rate this beer and start sampling our final beer. You're right. Soft Pivot. Let's take a soft pivot from that last song. So this is the New England Hazy IPA called Soft Pivot off the evolution portion of the menu here at Dead Words Brewing. And I think this is fabulous. I too think this is fabulous. I'm going to give it a 4-0. I am between a 4 and a 4 and a quarter, but I'm closer to the 4. So I am also going to give it a 4-0 because, you know, we're working on quarter point increments, as we know. Why don't you sponsor us? 
it would certainly make my life a lot easier because I could give this a little higher rating than a four if I had tense, but I don't, so I'm going with a 4.0. Yeah, I think that was fabulous. In terms of an IPA, it's very mild. You're not going to get a whole ton of hoppiness. You are going to get a hop flavor, but no bitterness, really. And the tropical fruit flavors in there are so forward, so prominent, and silky smooth mouthfeel, just like they said. The descriptions have been dead on today, because pineapple really is maybe less so warm. Maybe the hoppy flavors come a little more forward as it warmed up. Agreed. The pineapple. The pineapple was really prominent when it was, when when we first tried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I didn't really get any guava, but like, I didn't miss it. The pineapple was really there. Well, I think they described guava more as part of the odor. Of the aroma, you're right. So I got no guava. Famously. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really good beer. If somebody walked in and said, I hate IPAs, I'd say, eh, you might want to try this one. This is an introductory level IPA that you may want to try because you'll get enough hop flavor to enjoy it. I think the balance between the fruit and the resinous pine shifted in the length of the sip. If that makes sense. So at first, most of the sip was pineapple and you got just a little sprinkle of the resinous pine at the end. And now it's more like 50-50. Halfway through the sip, the hops and the pininess really come through. And I think an evolution like that in a beer is great. And, you know, it never got to the point where it was bitter. No, no, I don't Um, think it would either. And by the way, it had an evolution, as you said, and it's on the evolution portion of the menu. Oh, well, would you look at that? I think sometimes we use words that are in our head because of something like that. (laughs) Who knows? And who cares, frankly? (laughs) Inquiring minds want to know. So that leaves us with one more on our flight today. And this is also on the evolution portion of the menu here at Dead Words. And that is the beer Harvest Moon. This is the Spanish Cedarwood Farmhouse Saison. This was a 2023 Best Florida Beer Gold Medal winner. 6.7% ABV. And this one's described as... In celebration of the annual harvest, we created a farmhouse-style saison, fermented dry, and then gently rested on Spanish cedar. Pilsner Vienna and Triticle Malt joined the French Mistral Hops and a traditional Belgian farmhouse yeast to form a spicy, dry, and refreshing beer. The hops are from France. The yeast is from Belgium. Does it say where the malts are from? Pilsner, Vienna, and Triticle Malt. Oh, Vienna. Okay, so Austria. We have a very continental beer here. So uh, let me pick it up. At Mistral Hops and a traditional Belgian farmhouse yeast form a spicy, dry, and refreshing beer, which gained subtle notes of white pepper, grapefruit, cedar, and sandalwood during its wood rest. By the way, it was Spanish cedar. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We really pan-European. Pan-Euro. So we've had two award winners on this flight. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty good. He told us also, he brought us the flight boards in addition to the four beers. He picked the order we're going to drink them in. He told us he was debating between putting soft pivot last or this one last. And he said he chose this one last because the cedar has a sort of astringent quality that will dry your mouth out. So that is what we're expecting here. By the way, it's a very clear kind of a golden color. Quite golden. I don't find that astringent at all. It's a little dry. It's dry up front. Towards the end, it's maybe the tiniest bit, but no, I think it's really full-bodied actually. It's not drying my mouth out. It does change over time. It does. It starts off dry. Then most of the big flavors are kind of secondary. You get kind of a roundness and a multi... Am I thinking is it a maltiness wow, in the middle? roundness. That's a mouthfeel word. Well, I am the arbiter of all things mouthfeel, so please. If I say it's a roundness, it's a roundness. So I really like saisons and farmhouse ales they can be a little too farmhousey sometimes funky, a little too funky sometimes. yeah and i like funk but 
funk can easily turn into astringent, I think, in some of these. And this is really not. It stays really soft in your mouth the whole way down, which is really nice. And it's not too funky either. I mean, it has a little bit of that subtle funk and it's just enough, I think. Actually, well, personally, I like a little more funk, but I think this would be a really good starter farmhouse, actually. Yeah, it's, another, it's a traditional farmhouse yeast that was used, so it's going to impart some of that on it. You know, we drink a lot of those, the ones we describe as funky, where wild yeast is introduced or it goes a little off the rails. This is made in a more controlled environment, so you're going to get controlled flavor. Although it is complex. It, there's like it three waves there of, you know, there's the initial, it's kind of dry. And then you get where the flavors are Mm kind of coming in and they're rounded. There's a little fruity quality to it. I don't get much grapefruit specifically, but I get a fruity wave. Mm -hmm. And then that goes away. And then there's a... It's almost... You know what it almost is? It's almost kind of like the sensation of bubbles popping on your tongue, but in a flavor. Because this isn't especially carbonated. No, no, no. Like it's making me salivate. It is a flavor I think that there's definitely is coming woody. across as a sensation, if that makes sense. It's more just salivation and maybe that's the tingly. Wood. Maybe it's the wood, yeah. Maybe that is astringence. Maybe I'm salivating because it has a little bit of astringence to it, but it's not so much that I can identify it as astringence. It's just making me salivate to counteract that. I don't know. It's very complex. <laughs> and very good. So we're down to the final three songs. Track number nine is called Love, 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 parentheses, Let You Go. So we can see where this is going. It's like, I've been feeling like a helium balloon. You know I'm always on the rise. Is this love, 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 love? Dead or winter, but it feels like June with a smile I can't hide. Is this love, 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 love? Oh, ain't no defenses. I'm too deep for common sense. Well, it's love, 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 hey, yeah. Oh, my soul delighted. I don't try to even fight it. And I think that you should know that I will never let you go. Oh. So this song, on its face, it's about a guy who is obsessed with the feeling of new love. Mm-hmm. And again, without the context of the rest of the album, you know, maybe kind of harmless. Mm-hmm. But then the context of the album, this whole notion of I won't let you go, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. It's that possession thing again that comes to the forefront. I mean, the song's called this, right? Yeah. But again, as an individual song, you might not pick up on that so much in the context of everything else we've learned about this guy through the album, Red Flags, as we've been saying a few times. Yeah. Again, I think this one is harmless without any context. I won't let you go is a fairly standard thing to say. It's just like, I'm, I'm going to fight for you. You know, I'm not going to just give up on this. I just, I find this song kind of boring, honestly. I mean, it has the most hip-hoppy sounding verses. Yes, this is very clear here. The one interesting thing about this song is that the verses and the choruses are completely different. It's not even like a build or an evolution or a change in tempo. Like, they're completely different musical styles, which is interesting. And that's not the reason I don't care for the song. They're not discordant. I mean, it works. It's just a meh song for me. I don't think it's necessary on the album. And I find the line, I'm too deep for common sense. 
I find that very cringe. Oh man, you're so deep. Like right, set. but it's his own cool. vision of depth. Right, right. Which it's is correct. the thing we've been yeah. having a problem with. Yes. His vision of depth is a little bit worrisome. It is. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of a mess song. It's pleasant enough. Yeah, it's fine. On its face, it's fine. But there's some subtle red flags in there again, just the general writing of the album. Well, listen, we have two songs left. Neither one of us has picked the least favorite. I think we still have one on our top three. Do we not? Neither of us have picked a third favorite. I think we're going to match twice. This is going to be huge. You're going to surprise me. You're going to go, oh, the next one's my third favorite. Yeah, if I say that, I got got real trouble. (laughs) I'll I'll kick you off the podcast. I'm escorted off the set while I'm sitting in the bar. Security. (laughs) Oh, security. Get this guy out of here. Get this sexist out of here. So this is track number 10. With the delightful title, (laughs) Build Me a Girl. I was merely a soul getting ready to go, having one last talk with my maker. He said, You're going to earth for better or worse. See you back here sooner or later So I said to him as I spread my wings Would you do one thing for me? Would you build me girl from all over the world? A promise I always adore you Made it Japan with the style of the land And a smile from California Brazilian walk, a hair from New York Girls, build me a girl, build me a girl. Oh, where do I start? <laughs> I have a page you have of a notes. Thesis on this one. Oh, I, I really have a lot. I have so many issues. So many issues. First of all, oh, I can't wait to hear this. The basic gist of the song is this guy who's a soul in heaven mm-hmm. of some sort, about to be born, who's about to be born, asks the creator. To build him a girl. A girl, not a woman. With a series of specs. Very specific <laughs> specs. Like engineering specs. specs. Now, oh, I have so many problems with that as a premise yep. to begin with. Really? We're going to... The soul has enough capacity. That whole okay, thing yeah, is let's, a problem. Let's ignore let's the whole ignore like, religious like, let's, let's forget the concept that. of heaven. Then we get to the specs. Remember in the last song where it was supposed to be on its face? Oh... You don't even have to try. You don't have to be beautiful. beautiful. You don't even have to try. But here, <laughs> we've, very gone, specific yeah, he's, we've gone all over the world. You know, we need a style from Milan, a smile from California, the walk from Brazil, a head from New York. What the hell does that mean? Pretty Parisian curls. But here's where it gets really weird. He lands on Earth, <laughs> and he has the audacity to complain <laughs> and puts out a call to find the woman... <laughs> That God was supposed to build for him. Yeah. Like, what on earth is this guy thinking? This is a song? So, this is my third favorite. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me. This is my least. I almost just had a heart attack. This is my least favorite song on an album in multiple albums. This. Yeah. 
This is a bad song. Bad. This is a bad song. Bad. This is also my least favorite song. Well, there's a shock. Well, okay. Everything you said is completely correct. I want to touch on some additional things. When he's asking God to build him this girl, he goes, build me a girl from all over the world. I promise I'll always adore you. It's like him being religious and loving God as a condition of him making him this perfect woman. I'm pretty sure that's not how Christianity is supposed to work. I'm only going to love you, God. If you do this right, for me, right. and by the way, it gets on Earth and it hadn't happened. I thought we had a deal. I guess he, by the time he gets to Earth, he literally are, says, "I thought we had I a deal." We had a deal. What? I didn't know God made deals. That's what I'm saying. Christianity doesn't work that way, and also <laughs> women don't work that way. You can't just build your perfect woman. Nothing here works this way. It's bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's and very the fact uninformed. that he's fetishizing different body parts from different countries is icky. I think I've always disliked this song. I do not remember liking the song in high school. I think I always had a bit of an icky feeling about it. Should have been the tip off that you should look deeper in the I album. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's so gross. It's so gross. Like you can't just pick and choose parts of a woman. Women are human beings, like complete humans with lives and personalities and bodies. Yes, that is true. But like, oh, this is so, so gross to me. How do you really feel? However, <laughs> musically, you talked about that breakdown where he's like calling all women who fit this description, which is still gross. But I actually, musically, I really like that part of the song. It's really fun. He, his phrasing is interesting in that part. And I think for some people who may believe in soulmates, the concept of there's someone out there who was made for me is hopeful and sweet and a nice thing to think. I personally do not believe in soulmates. So like that does nothing for me. But if people do, I think that's like a really sweet concept for them. But even so, like soulmates are soulmates, right? You don't build your soulmate from scratch with with body parts from various parts of the world. Well, he's so almost implying that, that's how it works, though, right? Because he's a soul. Like right. He's, <laughs> right. And he's like asking. He's like, telling the story of how it's all pre-ordained. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, so gross. So, yeah, this is my least favorite song. High five. That's <laughs> a, so we matched number one. And number negative one. Number negative one. And we're one. about to match number three. I think it's coming. Well, I don't know that we've both hated a song so passionately in a very long time. I can't think of another one. Can you? No. That's why we got to archive these things. All right. So that gives us one track left on the album that I feel like is going to be a match. And that's The Biggest Man in Los Angeles. I got my start on the street with the monkey next to me. You'll shake your hand for a dollar if you're nice. Kiss your cheek. To my left, I could see Chinese flipping bowls on their heads from their feet. Yo, strolling on the scene of my arch enemies. Break dance, take your crowd, your girl, your money. Balloon man's telling me to turn down, please. And the psychic agrees. I begin to see that. Oh, oh, I'm home. All right, where I belong And there's nowhere else I'd rather be Because those moments on the street When the crowd would rock with me I felt like the biggest man, the biggest man in Los Angeles All I really need are some ears to hear me dream I feel like the biggest man, the biggest man in Los Angeles Standing on the street just standing on the street. 
Yeah, this is my third favorite. Mine I love too. That, that it recounts his origin story. It's probably the most hip-hop sounding lyrically, which I find really interesting, especially his descriptions of everything that's going on where he's busking down at the promenade. He uses that style of music to get a lot into that story. I mean, he fits a lot of descriptors into those verses because of the style of singing. Yeah. He's able to sneak a lot of stuff in, which I think is super cool. And so this is my third favorite because of that. I marked it off right away. The first pass as a two-star because I like it musically. It always gelled with me, even though those verses are a little bit more hip-hop sound than typically what I would listen to, yeah. but I thought everything about this song worked for me, and it's just a charming story. So again, when I went through the lyrics, it stayed high on my list because it was one of the ones that did not have a lot of this uh, complicated issues with women and all the things that I was really worried about as I dove deeply into the lyrics. So good song for me. This is in line with Lunatic and Keep Your Head Up and that he's singing about his positive outlook on life. He's singing about how happy he is when he's performing. And so those rose to the top for me anyway, because there really is nothing problematic in here. I mean, Chinese flipping bolt, like maybe that's a little problematic, but he's not saying Chinese people. He's just saying, oh, I can see Chinese doing this and that. Like, that's not great. But well, yeah, OK, I you know, that didn't really bother me because I think he was describing performers on a street. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chinese acrobats. If but I he was, didn't say Chinese acrobats. No, he didn't. He said Because Chinese. he probably ran out of. Yes, of musical real estate. <laughs> musical real estate. <laughs> he ran out of real estate. So he, he'd have been smarter to go with acrobats than Chinese. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've been to these places and to give you the flavor of where you are, and I was writing about it, you would describe the ethnicity of the people performing because that's part of what makes Venice Beach what it is. Right, and, and yeah. That and, one didn't really rub me the wrong way that he took a shortcut there to explain a group of performers in that environment. And I liked all that I description. Loved, uh, yeah, I loved all the different performers he lists. I think that was really interesting. And not just performers, he talks about preachers too. All the different people you're gonna see in this environment. It's an immersive song. It makes you feel like yes. you're there. And this was the music video. Yeah, and I haven't watched that. that came with the album. That's on our iTunes, by the way. This album was on our iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And that video remains on our iTunes as part of that purchase. You should watch it. I it's, will. It's filmed will. in Santa Monica. I will probably find them also and put them on our webpage. And I do watch them down the road because one of the other ones, I think, had Rain Wilson in it. Yeah, you're like right. One of the first or second singles. Yeah, I don't Rain remember Will which one. Rain Wilson would have been a pretty well-known personality at that point. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a great video. It, it, it really is rooted in place, which I think is really cool. The hip-hop aspects in the verses, but then the choruses are big, beautiful declarations of how happy and proud he is yes. to be this musician. I just, I find this song so charming and his origin story is so cool. And I love that he put that story on this album. So this is my third favorite, unproblematic, stick to this kind of lyrical writing and you'll be golden. There's a really subtle detail in there too about the performing that I love, which is that they're all down there. They're all trying to make some money doing this thing. And because there's so many of them, they're competing with each other. bump on top yeah. of each other. And so people asking him to turn it down a little bit when they're doing their thing. And I have seen that. I've seen that in Key West on Mallory Square, which is now way more controlled than it was back in the day. And I've seen that for sure on Venice Beach where they're almost trying to figure out how to take turns because they want the biggest crowd they can have too. So let this guy have his time and I'll start up and everybody will move here. And it organically happens. But for a musician, it's weird because a musician can just stand and play nonstop the whole time, right? I'm not going to do a balancing act with shopping carts or a juggling act with flames on the end of my batons. 
which is a defined act, a musician's going to stand there and play. And I can see where the other acts that do a defined thing are like, dude, I need you to tone it down because nobody's going to walk over here if right. you don't. Right. And I found that to be a really cool detail that I've actually seen in practice in many of the places where you see this stuff going on. You know what other musician we both know got his start busking? I want to say in London because he's English, but I could be wrong. Passenger. Oh, Passenger. Yeah. He, oh, I like Passenger. He famously got his start busking. Anyway, just my overall impression of the album, I think musically it's fun. But, you know, a deeper dive there. There's some red flags in the lyrics. And I feel like this is a guy whose heart's in the right place. And maybe as he gets older and really has life experiences with other human beings, that's going to mellow. And uh, so it'd be interesting to listen to not an album that he wrote three years after this, but an album that he wrote 15 years after this. So not a bad pick. I enjoyed breaking the album down. I have no problems with it. I feel like you I mean, might. you do have problems with I it. have problems with it. <laughs> I have problems with the lyrics. No, but I mean, I think we all came into this well aware of what we were getting ourselves into, right? Well, some of us, maybe. <laughs> like, I wasn't aware. Like when I introduced the album to you, I said, we're going to have a good discussion. I think about sexism and what allyship means. And we did. But that was a throwaway line two episodes ago where I kind of went, okay, maybe. I don't remember if I remember Every that little that. crumb you give me when you introduce an, a new album to me, I'm oh, like, Oh, really? Well, I today. I must remember this. Ooh, then you're going to be excited for today's oh, album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but before I give you your next assignment, let's wrap up this rating on Harvest Moon, which is the Spanish Cedarwood Farmhouse Saison. I got to tell you, I think this might be my favorite of the day. And I am going to give this a four and a quarter. Again, Within the category of farmhouse ales, this is a spectacular representation, and it's got multiple layers of complexity to it that I'm really enjoying. You know, it's not like strong flavor plus funk. Yeah. It moves over time, yes. and those things are subtle. Nothing in here is overpowering. No. It's really well-balanced. Fabulous beer. 4.25 for me, please. I'm going to give it a 4.0. I like a farmhouse ale. I don't mind a little bit funkier of a farmhouse ale. This is, like you said, very well-balanced. I think balance is a great word to describe this. The funk is subtle. I don't mind that. It is very complex in flavor. And I think just like we said about the soft pivot, if you're not a Saison drinker, this would be a fantastic one to start with because it gives you sort of the flavor of what you're going to get from a Saison but it's not overwhelming. So yeah, that's a 4.0 for me. Wow. We all had strong and consistent ratings this episode. Yeah, well, strong and consistent beer. Great pick Very on true. the beer. So I want to <laughs> thank, thank you Jack. to Jack for, yeah, putting, for together. putting together that flight. He told us this was an award-winning flight, and he was right. We had two award-winning beers on here, and we both enjoyed these very much. So thank you, Jack. All right, so yes, I have album. to give you an album. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you an album that might be on my top five if I was trapped on an island. Whoa. This is an album by a band called Crash Test Dummies. The album is called God Shuffled His Feet. Oh, I know that song. I play this album a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you know songs from this album. It is all of these thought-provoking songs with literary references and thoughts about death and God and the human condition. In a lot of ways, like uh -oh. the David Byrne album, in that sort of what is the human condition. And then there's one theme that runs through the album that's interesting to me. So it's this really intricately structured album. I got to see them open for Elvis Costello in Los Angeles. Went with mom and Uncle Steve. I have looked up the concert set list that they played that I will share with you for our show notes when we do the album. Love this band. Love this album in particular. It's their best piece of work. It's their most unified piece of work. To me, the writing is just 
crazy clever. So that's what you're tasked with. You cannot be lyrics agnostic on this album. Oh, man. Because it's... It's all about the lyrics. Well, it's a great album musically. Interesting musically. So anyway, the album is God Shuffled His Feet by, by Crash, Test Crash Test Dummies. So once again, we want to thank Jack for his hospitality today. This has been a fabulous experience. So glad he was able to jump on with us and talk a little bit about the brewery. If you're ever in the Orlando area... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, please come see Deadwords. And it is a fabulous hang. So make the effort to come by Deadwords Brewing if you're ever in Orlando. Yeah, we've had a great afternoon. If you're ever in need of more Pops on Hops content, you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at Pops on Hops Pod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you. Or you can visit our super cool website, Pops on Hops That's where we have bonus photos, videos, and other materials related to each of our bi-weekly episodes. That is also where you can submit to our virtual jukebox for a chance for your favorite album or even your voice to appear on the pod. And on behalf of Hops and Pops, we'll see you next time. Build me a flight from all over the world and I promise to always consume it. Cedar from Spain and yeast from Vienna and several rye malts from near Munich. Whoa! (laughs) I love that. Bye. Right, we're back with a very special bonus review, a la the water at Cypress and Grove. Kind of. It's rare that we do these bonus reviews, but we saw something on the menu here at Dead Words that I was so intrigued by that I could not let it go. So, Dad, please read what we're about to try. Well, it's listed under adult beverages and digestifs. D-I-G-E-S-T-I-F-S. A digestif. Digestif. This is called Underberg. It's a digestif with herbs from 43 countries. <gasps> Build me a digestif from all over the world? Build me a gent. I can't get that one in. <laughs> Unwrapped with pleasure after a good meal, simple ingredients, but complex character. Explore the herbal flavor of Underberg, the Rheinberg herbal digestif employed for 175 years. Now, we're going to cheat. We got one to share. Yeah. You're supposed to drink the whole bottle. I'm going to read the bottle here. Okay. Underberg is an herb bitters taken for digestion. It is not a beverage. It is not a beverage. Not a beverage. It says that. Not to be sipped, but taken all at once and quickly because of its aromatic, strong taste. It is also used as a flavoring. Imported exclusively by Underberg Sales Corporation, Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Natural herb bitters. Ingredients. Water. Alcohol. 44% by volume. Jeez Louise. Okay. And natural flavors from herbs and roots of the genus Gentiana, produced in Germany. So you take a swig and then pass me the balance but i want to see you swig and react oh it says to feel bright and alert all right that's too late are you gonna photograph the uh, reaction yeah sure cheers oh it's interesting you know what it is i'll let you swig it and then we'll talk about it <clears throat> it's an herby shot <laughs> it's very licorice it's licorice oh, yeah. more than anything i you happen to i happen to like my shot of preference is jägermeister which is very licorice so that is very reminiscent of that good to know <laughs> Dad hates Jägermeister. It's, no, Rumpelmeister. Spices or whatever. It is a spicy, herby shot, it's really. It's really but, not yeah, unpleasant. Licorice. No, it's not. 
It's like ouzo, but not as sweet. That's the Greek one, right? I don't mm. think I've ever had ouzo. Ouzo is a licorice one. I mean, it is kind of sweet. It has a sweetness to it. This? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's really not unpleasant. You could totally sip this. And my digestifs feel better already. I know. My insides feel so... Tingly? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Zach, you really don't want to try it? Sure, i try it. Try it and then come on mic and give your opinion. It is very strong and very herbal. It doesn't have the quality of like alcohol when you take a shot and yeah. it's like, Bleh. yeah, it, no, like, it doesn't. I can still taste smooth. the alcohol. It's yeah. smooth. It's a pleasant it's shot. It kind of feels almost menthol y. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Because yeah. it's like tingling in your throat, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who knows? Mint could be one of the herbs in there. Uh, he listed two mouthfeels there, so I have to throw a yellow flag. <laughs> As yellow the, card. Yellow the card. Arbiter of all things oh my god, I have a yellow card. Hold on. It's an audio medium. Nobody cares that you have a yellow card. Yellow card. Yellow card. <laughs> Wait, oh, hold on. Card. Wait a minute. I gotta have a picture of that. <laughs> this is too much bonus content. I can't. <laughs> Why do you have these? You play kickball. <laughs> yeah, what is that about? My friends have a little thing we do where if someone says something out of pocket, if it's like medium out of pocket, we throw a yellow card. If it's like extreme out of pocket, we throw a red card. Oh, wow. So for Christmas, we did a white elephant one year. So I bought a set of yellow and red cards with a little notebook and a whistle. And that was my white elephant gift. But then our other friend, Andy, got everyone a set of yellow and red cards and upstaged me. But he didn't get himself the yellow and red cards. So he took my white elephant gift and it worked out perfectly. So now we all have these yellow and red cards. But I just keep them in my purse because you never know when you're going to need them. Here's what I keep in my wallet. I have a couple of Pops on hop stickers? No, I keep those in my binder. (gasps) Oh. Does anybody recognize what this is? Is that the Hogtown logo? Yes. Oh, look at that. I have. You bought that at the festival? I did on the way out. It's a bottle opener that you can keep in your wallet. So you always have it you with always you. always have a bottle opener. So clever. So much better than a yellow card. <laughs> I don't know. I get a lot of use out of mine. All right. Signing off. If you ever have a chance to try Underberg, do it. It's tasty. Oh, do you want to rate it? On <laughs> a scale of one to five I, in quarter uh, point increments. Listen, I have no idea what <laughs> I would do with that. Let me go with, uh, I'm going to go with a three, seven, five. Nice. I'm going to go with a 4.0. I really enjoyed it. Compared to? Compared to other shots I've taken in no, my life? digestifs. I've never had another digestif. That's the best one so, so it's the best one I've had. So it's I know, but when you go high on your initial entry, <laughs> then know, you don't yeah. have any room for growth. That's a good point. So good luck I'm in the future. I'm sticking with my 4.0. All right. All right. Signing off. Signing off. We think. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>